All right, we are done with session six of the heist with my boys over here, Brian and Costa. We just finished the sixth session. How do you guys feel? Really good. That was a fun session. A lot of interesting characters and a little bit of investigation, which I always love. Yeah, you love your investigation. Brian, how did you feel overall over this, uh, this, this session? Just your initial gut feeling before we recap. Yeah, good, man. I think it's some uh, some of the best story building uh, happened in this one session. Yeah, right? I uh, I was really excited about that. Uh, just to quickly recap, we begin in um, Troll Skull Manor, and uh, certain players are there. Uh, there's Dervish, Elo, and Smash are sitting around the table. We don't know where Dalgrave or Ghani are at that moment. Uh, Rainer Neverember appears and knocks on the door, and when he walks in, he, uh, he says, I heard what happened last night, so we assume that what happened last night, uh, that this is the next morning from the fireball explosion, and he begins to ask questions about what happened. All of you were given a little bit of information, and uh, you kind of recap what happened the night before to him from your perspectives. Um, Dervish says something's really interesting, which is, uh, I, uh, some kind of metallic puppet figure on the rooftop he saw threw down a metal shiny object uh, that exploded. Um, and then uh, Dalgrave comes down and he says he was able to save Ghani. And he saved Ghani. And Ghani uh, comes down a little later to join the discussion. Everybody is in good spirits because he is uh, well. And um, uh, Rainer begins to tell everyone uh, that he believes what happened was his fault. Um, his father, Lord Never Ember, was thought to have smuggled, uh, uh, embezzled, sorry, money from Waterdeep and hid it somewhere. And when he left Waterdeep, he put the information of where this was into a stone called the Stone of Galore. And um, this stone led to buried treasure. Now, Rainer was very hesitant. To tell you guys this, this was very hard for him because for a very long time in Rainer's um, history, after especially in being embarrassed after his uh, his father was uh, a kind of fleed, um, uh, he's been asked. People have hounded him over this stone of galore. So, did you guys get that feeling? Uh, I know. Uh, sorry, uh, Dervish, uh, uh, Brian, you were there for that. Casa uh, didn't join us yet. Did you get that feeling like he's very hesitant? This is not something that he thinks is fun or cool or or um, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it took a uh, it took a fine cask of uh, of bourbon to uh, <laughs> to get him <laughs> loose enough. Got it. Yeah, no. I mean, it was certainly seemed like something that was uh, that was troubling him and hard to talk about. Yeah, it was really hard for him to say. But um, when uh, you guys described the situation to him, it kind of reminds him of something uh, or, or makes him think of something that he needs to go investigate. And he tells you, uh, Brian, to go to the House of Inspired Hands to investigate because they put on a yearly parade of automatons for the town of Waterdeep. And you might be able to get some information there. So you guys head over there. Elo shares the information with you. He knows where the House of Inspired Hands is. Uh, running, running theme of the night. Uh, inspired Hands. And so you guys head over there. Um, Ghani is very cautious at this time because he almost died. So the very first thing that happens when you guys arrive at the House of Inspired Hands 
is that there is a automaton figure on the roof and a metal object barrels itself down at Ghani. Ghani gets into his turtle shell and um, Brian, you roll a natural 20, which is like the perfect timing on a natural 20 because it allows you to do some cool things. So describe that part to me one more time. Uh, yeah, this uh, metal object comes flying at my turtle friend again, which <laughs> you know, uh, first the first time this happened, uh, he nearly died. So uh, yeah, bust out the whip, catch the thing, catch the thing's wing midair, and split it in half. Split it in half. So it was a very cool move of you using your whip effectively for one of the first few times in our whole adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so you use it effectively. Uh, you break this machine in part before it hurts Ghani. Um, Elo investigates and he picks up the pieces and he notices this is a bird. And people, as you gather around it, you notice it's a bird. So you enter this um, the house of Inspired Hands and it's the, this big uh, open space with these giant pillars that reach up to the rooftop where you know it's a steeple top. And um, towards the uh, before you get to the back area where there's tables and workshop and people working on different items, there's these pillars with different objects on it that they kind of consider some of their top creations. So you know that they hold some value, and they range from little like a clock and a little flying machine and some uh, 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 some inventions like a, a waking helmet, a helmet that as you sleep it slaps you in the face to wake you up. <laughs> That's why it's called the waking helmet. And you make it to uh, almost towards the back, and the figure that's kind of observing everybody working is a dragonborn priestess by the name of Valletta. She approaches you guys and um, notices the mechanical bird and tries to take it from Elo. Um, Costa, you were here with us for that part. Um, tell us, you know, from your perspective, you're walking into this big place. Um, you kind of got recapped a little bit about it. What, what were your thoughts? I was trying to make sure that uh, that kept my eyes around what was going on because it was really suspicious mm -hmm. after we got attacked by one of these things. Yeah. Um, but I was curious too, like what is all these things around us? Like I was waiting to hear more information about the going on to the workshop. Um, and that was cool to see like all the inventions that, that we walked past as you were describing them. So I'll tell you at this point, um, I was surprised because I thought you guys, I mean, you did, well, you kind of acted like, uh, more of what I thought you would act upstairs, um, when you get to that point, but I thought you guys would be a lot more suspicious. So you're freely walking, not investigating, no, uh, hands, you know, hands on weapons or anything like that. Uh, the priestess approaches Elo to try to get the mechanical thing to investigate it further. Elo denies her and then stares her down. So we have a staring ma match uh, in which he wins and dominates. So she is susceptible to Elo's uh, influence and persuasion, <laughs> which is pretty cool for him. She yeah, tells yeah, you he didn't use his inspired hands on her. No, he did not use his inspired. He could have. He totally could have to get his way. He, he totally missed that opportunity. So she goes, I think it's one of Nim's creations. Follow me. She goes to the back, uh, opens a door, and it's this little tiny attic that leads you all the way up. You guys head all the way up, and um, uh, she's trying to open the locked door. She doesn't have the key. Like, it's gone missing from her, her key collection. And uh, um, 
you know, you guys are considering having Smash break through. Elo was about to go try to open the door, but then he'd have to get by her and he felt uncomfortable. Eventually, uh, Dervish, the only one in the heist adventure <laughs> with <laughs> any kind of thieving anything. I, did you did you know and just play it back, or did you remember <laughs> that you could like try to unlock the door? Yeah, I mean, uh, once we realized there was no getting getting by the big dragon lady or knocking the thing down, it's like okay, well. <laughs> I think I think that's what you should always try try to do <laughs> when as one of the only guys uh, with that ability, which makes me crack up more and more the more I think about it. But, um, um, so you guys go in and, uh, you start to look around. You're not really, you're seeing that it's just a bunch of mechanical stuff, but a lot more cluttered than downstairs where it was open space. This is the complete opposite. It's a, it's an attic. There's a door. Um, smash immediately runs to the end of the room to the door and starts trying to break down the door, uh, um, uh, effectively, uh, unhinging it. And um, all this crap is falling all over the place because he runs with his arms wide open out into it. And uh, so you guys all roll perception and Costa gets the highest and he notices out of the corner of his eyes this mechanical thing kind of unfurling itself where it looked like a bunch of junk unfurling itself and standing very tall. And so Costa described to me because I think this was probably one of my favorite parts of our, our adventure. Um, when, when I grabbed him? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it was like, I wasn't messing around. I the, I felt like, you know, I had to right the the wrongs against my, my friends, and I grabbed him, and I said, all right, we're going to use intimidation here, because it seems to work, especially since Jared dominated the uh, Dragonborn. <laughs> the Dragonborn lady. And the so, Dragonborn lady. And so I, I tried to maintain that intimidation route and make sure we were in a position of authority throughout. So... This was very like a movie scene to me, you know what I mean? Where like there's a, because we find out that he's not the creature. Um, in that whole discussion, we find out, you know, uh, you try to intimidate him. Uh, Valletta, she says, everybody calm down. Tell that beast to, you know, that, that brute to stop smashing the, the door. And Dervish says, you know, it's not the one that I saw because you notice that it was uh, the one that you saw, Brian, was more metallic gold. And this is a more metallic silver one. And uh, she reveals to you guys that he can't talk. You know, so she can communicate with him, but you got to put him down. So you believed her, Costa. Um, uh, I was hesitant. You were still on guard. I wanted, to, I wanted to defuse her. She seemed to be more receptive. If we um, willing to give us more information, if we put her down, so I wasn't, I was acquiescing, not necessarily believing personally. Okay, so she calmed everybody down. She's like, everybody breathe, right? And she begins to talk to Nim, and Nim can't. She says he can't tell you anything because he can't speak, but she can communicate via sign language, sign language with him. And um, he begins to say, you know, like, yeah, it was his mechanical bird. No, he wasn't trying to. To hurt you guys. So, Brian, my question to you is, at this time, you, well, you saw, you thought he might have been threatening initially, and then now you see how he's communicating with Valletta. From your perspective, how did that uh, look, or, or or did you get that, that this was a mother-child kind of relationship? 
Yeah, I think um, at the time, you know, at that point in time, I wanted to try to diffuse the situation uh, a little bit once I realized in particular that this was not the same person. Um, and yeah, just uh, kind of say, hey, this wasn't the guy that tried to kill kill us. You know? So how was the, the um, from your perspective, the communication between Valletta and Nim? Did everything come, did everything come across clearly um, um, to you guys? Because he can't talk. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and it did, you see, you, you got the feeling of a, like a, a disappointed parent. Yeah, you know, from her. Like, like she has to have to do this thing now that she doesn't really want to do, you know, um, and punish her, you know, child. Yeah, to, to do something. So um, this now Elo has this mechanical bird, right? And uh, Anim is trying to get it back from Elo, who withdraws it from him. But this is uh, I'm seeing like a softer side of Elo, uh, and it's not it's not necessarily that he's weak, but I feel like um, I've always questioned, you know, Jared's uh, character's motivation in. He's part of this group, but if he's such a loner, if he's such a like, you know, uh, why would he be part of this? And I just feel like he has a connection to the group here. You know what I mean? Like he's, uh, uh, they're growing on him more than he's probably willing to admit. Right. Would you get that? And so, I think he really likes Bonnie. Yeah, he, li- he really likes Bonnie uh, um, in the group. And uh Elo tries to get extract information out of Nim a little bit more and realizes that Nim really wants a bird. And what we discover is that Nim has, uh, against his disorder in this place where he lives, created another nimble right, another automaton. And he wasn't supposed to do that. And for the reasons that I explained is that he doesn't know how to apply all the necessary rules for these not to harm other people. And um, uh, he goes to tell this very long story about how he felt very lonely seeing other kids playing and other uh, uh, humans together. That he wanted to create a, a, a partner. Did you feel? Did you guys feel bad for him at that point? Did you really start changing from aggressive, like suspiciousness, to because it felt like you guys did? Yeah, I think so. It started to seem like he was more of a child than. Clearly, we came in thinking, you know, this was, you know, this was the thing that tried to kill us, and then you realize it's sort of like a you know, idiot spawn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 you know, the way he was acting, it was like this is a shame, a, sh- a lot of shame emotion coming out of, mm-hmm. out of it. So I was like, okay, whatever. It's it did something wrong. We just got to figure out like what happened. How did it get to this point? Yeah, so he tells you the story of creating this. Um, he even named it Rex, this other number right that 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 went away. And um, as he tells you this, um, you know, he uh, one of the questions you guys asked really good questions throughout this that kind of advanced, and you got more information quickly because of it. But I, I believe it was Ghani who asked, is like, um, you know, is there any way to find this other one? And he immediately like shakes his head yes, and and uh, you guys begin to search, and guess who finds the detector, <laughs> the nimble red detector? Smash does, and he just holds it straight up with his natural twenty, I think it was right or like twenty three, on there. 
Um, so I sent you guys an image of it. What was your initial impression from it, um, Casa, when you saw the image? Well, you saw the wrong image first, and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> I saw it. I was like, this thing just looks like, you know, uh, like something a kid invented. Something a kid invented, yeah. Um, and um, he's hesitant to show you how it works because he wants to protect his creation, right? Like any uh, creator would. And um, she, uh, Valletta, convinces him to 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 tell, explain how to use it to you guys. And then she asks you guys to that she will pay you money to destroy uh, the other Nimble Rex. And obviously, Nim is distraught about that. And there was a lot of like back and forth. I was very um, surprised by that. Why do you think Ghani felt so like you guys shouldn't destroy it? Um, just his good nature. He almost got killed. I mean, being a druid, he wants to protect life. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah, even if it wasn't natural life. So, I, and I can sympathize with that being a... a um, Talon. That's why I said we'll bring him back. Okay, so you one you, way or another. You agreed, Brian. Why? Yeah. Why do you think there was such a discussion over what you should do? I don't know. I think everyone's crazy. It's a robot. Huh? Everybody's what? Everyone's crazy. It's a robot. Everybody's crazy. It's a robot. We should destroy robots. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Right. Like the. the uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Clearly, a uh, could be a long discussion. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I wonder, like, because you see. Nim emoting a little bit more did that change your mind from seek and destroy this robot to okay maybe not destroy figure out what's up with it uh, instead and so um, you guys ultimately uh, unanimous uh, not unanimously but uh, uh, the majority of you agree to do what um, Valletta has asked of you she will pay you 500 gold pieces to go find this uh, automaton and destroy it um, um, and uh, then she does something. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but she ordered... Okay, so she leaves, and then you hear footsteps rushing upstairs. Nobody was really, like, uh, too hesitant about it, except uh, Ghani started asking them a lot of questions, like, are they going to come to try to hurt us? Uh, but I thought it was clear, like, that probably was not going to happen, right? So nobody else, like, drew their swords and got ready to battle in there. And they started to take everything away, uh, what were you guys thinking at this point in time when they're just like punishing him that way? It didn't really affect me at all. I, I kind of <laughs> actually thought that that was probably a, a good, <laughs> good idea because he's yeah. making killer robots probably. Yeah, you know, maybe the responsible thing to do is to take away his ability to make killer robots. I don't know. It's so crazy. I feel like Valletta has done nothing wrong. Like she says, destroy the machine. And we got to take all the tools away from, but there was, there was conflict there in that, which, um, I love in the fact that there's the emotional thing. And then there's like, yeah. And, uh, uh, um, I mean, all you had to say is I want you to destroy it. And smash was all in. He was the first one to say, I'll do it. 500. I'll do it. Find it. Kill it. Um, and then, uh, one of my favorite parts with this was optional was if you got to started to look around, different things happened. And uh, the very first thing that uh, it was, um, oh, <laughs> it was Ghani, right? Uh, started looking around. And he found these adjustable stilts, right? Because it was uh, um, something as they're clearing away that was one of the functional pieces, which allowed him to increase his height by two to five feet. 
on that. So I'm excited to see him use it for some reason, uh, which knowing Justin, it's going to be an amazing reason. <laughs> right. So then um, Smash showed some emotion. Uh, do you remember uh, Casta was smashed it for Nim? Smash gave him a troll skull. Yeah. Which, honestly, you know, it was touching. It was a moment that really showed, you know, Fork and Automaton could live in harmony. So, I'm, I'm doing this to give you guys the emotions, to make you feel these different conflicts and emotions. And then he does that, and I feel touched. <laughs> like, that was extremely sweet of him to do. Um, you know, ultimately, I think this group is good guys, right? So you guys are heroes. Um, um, so that was really sweet of him to do. And so uh, Nim gives him a... <laughs> Maybe he would have thought about it more if he saw what he did. But he gives him a parachute backpack. <laughs> and the uh, Smash proceeds to jump out off the roof and do some base jumping into the street. And so the scene in my head is he just straps it on. Right, he opens that door, that attic, and he just jumps off. And so all people are seeing from below, they're looking up, and they see this figure jump off the roof, <laughs> pull a parachute that's twice his size, and just hurtling towards the ground. So he scared the living living daylights out of some people down there. And then Brian, tell me, you uh, discover what was the last uh, uh, piece. Tell me how and why and who. Yeah, I patted uh, one of the workers on the back said, you're doing a fine job. And uh, and he got all touched and was like, it's a lot of, a lot of emotions going on. <laughs> yeah, this is an emotional one. Yeah, you know, and uh, he handed me this little box and it was called the Barking Box, which apparently uh, once set off, will go off continuously barking for eight hours. <laughs> Please don't forget that you have this, okay? Uh, because yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly useful when we're, in, when we're trying to steal something. Right? Like, to make right? a distraction, it's going to be so good. Oh, it's going to be so good. I maybe for keeping Elo awake, <laughs> but, you know. Wait, George, we didn't ask, is it one-time use or not? No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a, me a mechanical piece. Like, he can crank it up eight hours, and then he can re-crank it in another eight hours. Okay, got it. So, um, yeah, that's so awesome. Um, um, I'm excited for you you guys. Don't forget that you have that. Uh, luckily, the parachute can be reused. It just takes 10 minutes to pack up correctly. Um, <laughs> um, and obviously, the adjustable stilts. Um, cool. So then uh, you guys uh, um, kind of wrap up there and um, Valletta kind of lets you guys know there's nothing really else. You know, you, you, what you're done is done. Time to go home. You get back to Trollskull Manor and Rainer's there. And um, I did try to time this for the very end of the adventure where he he says, um, he asks you what happened. Did you find the nimble right uh, 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 that was there? And you kind of explain to him uh, the scenario that a nimble right created another nimble right. And he says, okay, that confirms what I think. And he tells you that um, when Dalakar stopped spying on him, he went to uh, uh, Rainer, uh, decided now to go and investigate to see where, what Dalakar has been up to. And uh, his worst fears are true. He believes that um, 
the stone of galore, at least people believe that it's in existence, and that Dalakar somehow got possession of it from the Xanathar guild. Uh, he was thought to have had it last. Um, um, but he was confused um, at the very end when he heard the story up until the part where he heard where the person that stabbed um, Dalakar was wearing a black cloak, which he knows the Sanathar Guild is not known to do. And they don't really operate above the streets. They're kind of a below the streets operation. But, uh, the person that stabbed Dalakar was not, didn't seem to be a, a Xanathar Guild member. So that kind of alerted uh, uh, Reynard to something. So he went to investigate that part. When he comes back and he says, uh, no, who stabbed Dalakar was part of the Zentarum Guild. And the elite, one of their elite soldiers uh, was seen last, uh, very hurt, entering uh, the house Growlhund, um, or, or the 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 uh, a villa in in uh, Waterdeep. And so he went and acquired the blueprints to the villa, and he kind of rolls it out onto the table, and he says, "I think the stone of Galore is in the house in this house, and um, we should go get it." And that's how you guys end. So uh, you guys are going to receive some blueprints um, right now, soon, uh, hopefully tonight. And then you um, next session, what we're going to start is making plans on how to uh, try to retrieve, break into, and retrieve the Stone of Galore from Urzel Flaxkin, the elite Zentarum uh, that is somewhere, it might be somewhere in this place. Is that cool? Is that exciting to you guys? Because I'm excited for you guys to freaking do some heisting. I think it'd be really cool to, to role play a, a bank heist or a heist in general, like a jewel heist. A jewel heist like. type thing. So it's yeah. something for you guys to think about before our next session, especially when I send you the blueprints. And um, okay, favorite thoughts. Brian, what was your favorite part of tonight in your mind? Session, role play, comment. Yeah, no, I think. Um, Discovery. I think my favorite part was that uh, is that everyone had um, well, maybe with the exception of Smash, because that's just not his thing. But did uh, some role playing tonight? Yeah, like, like kind of took the lead at a certain point, and uh, it's just another sign that everyone's kind of getting more comfortable playing and uh, you know in their character. And I think it, it makes it more fun that way. You know, uh, some of the quieter characters. So I, I would agree with you. I think. Um... Jared stepped up a little bit more to the forefront. I think you did. And I think Ghani, who's been like kind of leading the pack for a while, stepped back a little bit, smashed a little bit. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. I felt a little bit more more balance um, um, for this session. Absolutely. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I love seeing that. I love role-playing that, but I also love like watching the show <laughs> of you guys interact with each other and just like uh, uh, what you quip at each other and do. Uh, that was that was always like my reward for it. Uh, Costa, man, what was your favorite part of tonight? Situation uh, the, scenario. The amnesty that uh, was displayed with the troll skull. Oh Hands yeah, down. smashes smashes a, a heart on that. I think was was pretty cool. Um, my favorite part will have to be unveiling um, that you guys are gonna get to do some heisting. I think uh, it yeah. gets me pumped. I think you guys, uh, um, the, the future plans are pretty cool. So I really can't wait to see what you guys come up with and discuss. And maybe it allows for more of that role play as you guys talk through what you want to do. 
because um, as always, I got some little little twists for you guys. Thank you much, so much for joining and doing this session tonight. We will keep talking via Slack. Later, guys. Right. Have a good night. Right. Good night.